to the Games of the Year special of the Quiz at Play podcast. I am joined, as always, by Ruben. Hello. And our new regular host, Graham. Hello. How are you both doing? Yeah. Not too bad. Post-Christmas, isn't it? What day is it? It's a little limbo period where nobody knows what day it is. It is one of the days. And (laughs) what a year it's been. A lot lot of really good games this year. It's been a bit of a strange year, I think. Like, there's not... It's not like one of these, like, massive, massive game years. It's all been, like, kind of smaller. But, like, from maybe certain things that haven't had games in a while or a bit more niche games... I think it's been quite an interesting year, and a yeah. lot of a lot of games that kind of came out of nowhere. I think as well as we'll probably see mm. when we get to our to our lists. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So, uh, with that in mind, shall we dive straight in? Damn right, we should. Let's go. Well, Ruben, then do you want to do you want to kick things off with your first choice? Yep. Predictably, first choice, Resident Evil Village. Well, I mean, you've just wiped off the first choice from my list. (laughs) (laughs) We did have a crossover. We thought we wouldn't. (laughs) Um, I should have seen that one coming, actually, because, you know, Resident Evil, right? Yeah, Resident Evil is like my favourite game series of all time. Um, And Village didn't disappoint. It really didn't. No, it really didn't. Um significantly more actiony and definitely more camp than seven mm-hmm. um but yeah i thought I, I thought village was really really well done um could have done like m- m- literally my only criticism i can think of is that i would have liked to spend with you know, except for house beneviento i'd have liked to spend more time in some of the areas yeah i think the way it was marketed made it seem like the lady d section was a lot bigger than it actually ended up being yeah i mean the lady i I could have done a whole game that was just dimitrescu castle oh for sure i could have quite was she not in it all that often no so um spoilers for people who haven't played it she's like basically the first quarter of the game and then she's that's it she's done (laughs) all right Okay. Yeah, yet she was everywhere. I thought she was. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, she was a masterpiece of a character. Oh, yeah. She was, like, so well constructed as a character. Um, but yeah, I just. Uh, I'm not 100% in Village. I am not doing. I am not doing the mercenaries. That's just not <laughs> happening. But um, definitely just showing that Capcom continue to be kind of on it with their releases recently they really know how to make a good resident evil game for sure i would i would like and to they've see made it, it quite, to it's, you know it's a very adaptable formula as well as they've they've shown over the years oh yeah i mean village is campy schlocky like it's it's more camp than resident evil 4 which i didn't think was a possibility <laughs> but they've managed yeah, it yeah resident evil 4 is quite camp <laughs> 
Do you think they'll go back to third person again? Would you like it to go back to third person? Are you quite happy staying first person? I would love it to go back to third person. Um, but if they if they were to say go forwards with like, okay, we're keeping it first person for the main games, but we're going to do some spin-offs with third, I would love that too. Like, I, I love both yeah, ways that it's been, to be honest. And I think they've shown, you know, the engine that they've got, the RE engine that they're using at the moment, clearly it works for both. You know, they've done Resident Evil 2 as a remake using that engine, and they've done Resident Evil Village and 7 as a first-person game. Yeah. And, and, even, just... and even within those two first-person games, they've gone one that's really horror-based and one that's really action-based, and again, it's worked really well for both styles. Yep. And also, furthermore, I mean, the RE engine was used for Devil May Cry 5 as well. So it can so, be used for, like, Mon- proper high Rise uses it too. Yeah, it's the, they've they've proven that the RE engine can do it. So, but yeah, so keep, keep knocking out and look forward to the uh, to the upcoming DLC, whatever that may be. <sighs> Bring it on! Bring it on! If it's not a prequel that has me exploring some more of Demetresque Castle, I'll be bitterly disappointed. Yeah, I want more of that castle, please. The dungeons, give me more. So, Graham. What's your first pick for game of the year? So, I've kind of, I've kind of went like five, four, three, one. So, I'm going to leave my top one for later. Um, but I would say in there is um called unpacking. Um, so this was kind of kicking about a bit, um, for a while. I, I don't know when it was announced, but it seemed to be a long time ago. Because when I seen it. I was initially like, oh, this this is right up my street. I'm one of these weirdos that loves moving house and actually unpacking all your stuff and finding places for it. So unpacking was just like the ideal game for me. Um, but it's really clever with what it does because it's not it's not just a, a little puzzle game. Like There's a, a lot of story behind it as well, but it tells the story barely using any words at all. So you like you experience the main character, you see what stuff they're unpacking into into the different houses that they move into and move out of, and you kind of understand a bit of backstory about the character, like why the character's taking certain items from house to house or what kind of house they're moving into, and you, you then kind of sort of form your own ideas as to what you think's happening. Like, there's there's one house that you move into, and she's, the character, she's clearly moved in... Um, with her boyfriend or fiance or whatever but like from that from the actual level to me in my head i hated the guy like based on nothing other than the fact that you've hardly got any space to put any of your stuff in to the house so instantly i was like this guy seems like a bit of a dick like his girlfriend's moving in and he's not left any space <laughs> so i instantly i was like this guy's toxic based on no information other than that <laughs> but it's it's just really clever the way it does stuff like that you've got certain items that you specifically have to put in certain places um like there's there's a photo that at one point you have to put in a certain area and you realize it won't let you progress the level until you put that photo of you and that guy in a cupboard and that's when you realize the next level oh they've actually broken up so it's just really clever like how it tells the story and um in terms of what you do with all these little items and where you put them and stuff like that so yeah I, i absolutely loved it um, it's it's only like three or four hours long, which is perfect for me. Um, but yeah, it was absolutely great. Total surprise. Unpacking was one of those games 
I I have also played it, um, and I was umming and ahhing about putting it on my own list, but with my own self-imposed rule of only including games that I've actually finished, mm. I haven't actually quite finished it yet, okay. <laughs> and therefore it was excluded from my list. And I know it's only, like you said, like three or four hours or whatever. The reason I haven't finished it is because I was playing it on my Xbox, and I actually lent my Xbox to a friend before uh, I was able to finish it, and I've not got the Xbox back yet. Uh, um, when you get I back, you should be totally with you. Yeah, you should progress towards the end because the last, the last part of it's like quite sweet. It's really quite nice, like a nice. It wraps it up quite nicely. And I, th- I think I've just got to the house where she's moved in with her boyfriend that you were mentioning, and you're like, oh yeah. He looks like he's probably a dick. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. But it is. It's, it's really good. And it's just really clever that it manages to tell a story without really saying much at all. And we're all of the right age to know what a GameCube is and where it should live. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was kicking about, wasn't it? Which I, yes, I remember seeing numerous times on Twitter people saying, what's this? Where does it go? It doesn't go in the kitchen. Well, no, it's a GameCube. <laughs> it does, I, the GameCube I, in I, the I, game I, does I look like so an appliance. <laughs> But it's still obviously a GameCube. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. See, I've not played this game, but I think it's on Game Pass, is it not? It is on Game Pass. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's where I was playing it. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I'm going to have to play it now. Yeah. It's come too highly recommended. Definitely. Well, the nice thing is, like Graham said, it is only a short game, so you can kind of squeeze it in into a couple of afternoons. Yeah, definitely. It doesn't take too long at all uh okay well i'm gonna make my first choice then so i'm gonna skip over resident evil village as ruben has already picked it and i am going to put forward axiom verge 2 obviously i don't think it's going to come as a huge surprise to anybody um for anybody that doesn't know axiom verge was a Metroidvania-style game that was released about three years ago. Um, And aside from being a a truly perfect, like, Metroidvania game, it was developed entirely by a single person, which is just astonishing, really, when you think about it. I know, it's amazing. Um, And the sequel was announced... I think originally in 2019. Yeah, it was quite a while back. I, it was announced, I think, as part of a, a Nintendo Indie World presentation um, and was originally due, I think, to come out sometime in 2020. But for various reasons, it was delayed and delayed. And then it was, then it was early 2021 and then it was delayed again and it came out sort of... It was like a surprise announcement, wasn't it? I think it was another, it popped up in a Nintendo Direct or a, an Indie World Direct. Oh, so yeah. It's basically it's out, now. out now. Yeah, which I don't think anybody expected from a game like that, because it was quite quite an anticipated sequel. I, I didn't think anybody expected it, just a shadow drop like that. Just as well, then. But it took the original formula and it just expanded on it massively. So, mm. although it focuses more on melee combat, uh, it does some really clever clever things with like uh, a sort of secret second world that you can you can go to when you're when you're in your like your uh, little robot droid form yeah your little 
probe form. Um, and that allows you to sort of explore bits of the world that you can't get back to through the main overworld. And it just it just all hangs together really well. <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I finished it as well. Um, I thought it was really different to the first one. Like, just, just in so many different ways, like... The story seemed different, obviously, because it was a different character, and but I just think the world was a lot more open as well. It wasn't as super Metroidy as the first one. Yeah, it um, wasn't as claustrophobic. A lot of it was no. kind of set sort of outside. Yeah, it was. It was a lot bigger world. Um, I think a lot easier to navigate as well. A lot easier to know where to go next. Whereas I really struggled with the first one. Um, yeah, yeah, I struggled where to go next in the first one, but this one was definitely a lot more guided. I think it. It had like pinpoints that it put on the map, didn't it? To say, right, you, you should you go need here. To sort of get to here, yeah. Yeah. Although I, I would say probably the only, I don't know if it's a, not necessarily a bad choice, but a, an interesting choice was was that he made all of the bosses entirely optional. Yeah, I, I don't, I quite like. And while, and while you, you definitely got benefits from killing the bosses. You could just walk straight past them and not and not interact mm. with them at all, or you could choose to hack them, if I remember rightly. Yeah, um, I I wasn't ever really sure about the hacking itself. I always found that like the hacking was quite clever in like it was how how it was incorporated and the things you could do to the things you could hack. But I always ended up just finding that melee just normally worked absolutely fine anyway. So I often didn't hack. There were that some much. enemies that I found really irritating. Oh, I yeah. tended to be the ones that I hacked. Mm. <laughs> I was like, can't, I can't be bothered to deal with you. I'm gonna hack you and make you spawn health things instead of bullets. Yeah. Uh, but yes, a really great game and something you should definitely check out if you haven't already. Yep, I really enjoyed it. I will it eventually get to play it. Did you uh, did, did you order it, Reuben, as part of the physical? Yes, I can't. You did, which so is why I haven't played it yet. Sometime next year, when it finally comes out. Yes, <laughs> I'm still waiting. Um, yeah, I don't know how long that's going to take. But then again, I only got the I only got the game from Limited Run this time, uh, as opposed to the colossal amount of stuff I got with the last Limited Run thing I bought. So that's why it was so delayed. We'll but it still t- it still takes a good few months for limited run stuff, doesn't it? Even if you just buy the game, I think. Yeah, true, but it gets delayed if it has other things that are, need to be produced. Yeah. So that was my mistake. <laughs> we all learn from these mistakes eventually. Yeah. That we won. So, game number two, Ruben. The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Oh, nice choice. Nice. Mm. Um, I think I think realistically this one got on by kind of the skin of its teeth onto my top five, but it's just such a good pair of games. Um, I mean, if anyone isn't familiar with Ace Attorney, firstly, please objections. Yeah, please change that. Um, but you're essentially a defense attorney who has to defend your client against almost unbearable odds at times. Um, against the evidence that she keeps piling on by finding inconsistencies in either the evidence or in the witness testimonies. And The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles is 
following instead of following Phoenix Wright, the kind of protagonist, the main protagonist of of the, of the core series, uh, it follows um, Ryonosuke Naruhado, who is uh, Phoenix's kind of uh, ancestor. And it's set in feudal. Well, it what it begins in feudal Japan, but it actually uh, Victorian era Japan, but it moves to Victorian era England um, quite early on, and you meet the well borderline um, <laughs> borderline lawsuit Sher- uh, Herlock Sholmes and um, Iris Watson, who is an anime inventor girl, which is just brilliant, and. It's just so cleverly written and it's and because they've changed up because they've gone with instead of going with the traditional kind of not traditional, but the the, the, the law system they've used in the previous games, they've used a blatantly not English law, um, different court system in, in the in the in these games that involves a jury and the jury's opinion will sway the entire case. Um, and that leads to some really tense moments in which you're trying to convince this this the, this last juror that they need to change their perspective on this entire case, which is quite different from it. the normal games where it's just the decision is purely a single judge, right? Yeah, yeah. So the judge has final say in Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, but the jury holds so much sway over that final say. Um, and then if you couple with that, there's 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 a few other um like really kind of quite clever things like you can properly get get in and look at evidence like in 3d space which was introduced later in the ace attorney series anyway but this kind of really does nail that um and also great music one thing i love about games is when it has great music and we will definitely come back to that later in my in some of my later choices but Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, absolutely. I think I can take a good guess as to where we're going to come back to that. <laughs> yeah. But no spoilers. No spoilers. But yeah, we will come back to that. But yeah, Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. If you if you have any even a passing interest in Ace Attorney or you've played the other Ace Attorney games, I could not recommend Great Ace Attorney Chronicles more. I've, I've definitely played... played... I've tried it a couple of times and I think I'm just generally really bad at it. Like, I've really tried to get through... like. A... I can't remember the one that I had on the 3DS, maybe. Um, but yeah, I'm just really bad at reading the clue. I end up just clicking things, hoping for the best. And I never actually managed to get through it. Um, but it's one of these ones that I would actually properly like to play if I could just do it. Yeah, yeah. I must admit, it does involve a lot of reading. Like, you have to read every last bit of every last piece of evidence to be able to find the things you need. And sometimes, even then, I am doing the same. I'm clicking wildly, hoping that the thing I pick is the right option. Yeah, and I think sometimes it's not always... Like, you know in your head you need to submit something, but the game wants you to do something else first, and you have to do it in the order that the game wants you to do it in. I think it's yeah. sometimes a problem I come up with with Ace Eternity, Ace Eternity games. Yeah, but... Like you have to do it in the, you, especially the courtroom bits. You have to do it in the order that it wants you to do it. Even if you, in your head, you're like, "Well, clearly this is this proves something." Yeah. Like this, this thing is obvious evidence that would prove this person's guilt. Why can I not show it right now? Um, but yeah, if I, 
I definitely if 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 you bounce off the standard Ace Attorney, like the Ace Attorney trilogy, and also the two games I think that no three games that follow on from the Ace Attorney trilogy, Great Ace Attorney won't be for you because it's a little bit more complex even. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, in terms of the way it shows you clues and it expects you and what it, the amount it expects you to remember is phenomenal. Um, but yeah, two two absolutely amazing games, and I'm so glad they finally got finally got released in the West after so many years of just being Japan only. Cool, right, Graham, choice number two. My next choice is something I'd never ever played before until now, and it's Monster Hunter Rise. I was a complete complete novice with Monster Hunter. Didn't care about it at all ever. I've seen people play it. I know. People loved Monster Hunter World. Everybody was playing it. Um, but I've got two good friends who are total Monster Hunter geeks. And they're like, "We, you need to get it and we'll teach you how to play it. We'll set up little Discord chats or we'll set up WhatsApp groups and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, fine, I'll do it just to shut you up. And I bought it and I actually loved it. Um, I didn't get to a level where I'm... Cause you, you get like extreme ranks that are really, really difficult that you play online and stuff like that, which I never got that far, but I finished like the main part of the story and stuff like that. Um, and it was just so, so good. It's still stupidly complex. And a lot of people who've been Monster Hunter fans for such a long time, they're like, oh yeah, this is the most accessible one yet. And it is to a point, um, but I think somebody new coming in, it's still really, really overwhelming. There's still shitloads to learn most of the time i didn't really understand what i was doing i was just playing it and hoping for the best Um, most of the time i didn't understand what a lot of the items did or that kind of stuff and it i do still think the controls are a bit overly complex for their own good um but that's i guess that's just the way monster hunter has always been but yeah i absolutely loved it i'm not one for sitting playing online games with friends but i did it with monster hunter loads and it was just a great time it's just not something i expected ever to care for but yeah i'm a total monster hunter convert now i think although i'm not sure i could go back because they, think... add, they added the palamutes i was gonna say do you think you'd go back and play like monster no, hunter world or something i couldn't i just can't imagine how slow it would be getting about without the palamutes that you can ride about because it just speed things up so much um, and i didn't know that in past games they didn't have an equivalent so you're just kind of slowly running about, which kind of puts me off playing some of the older ones. Um, so I don't think I would go back. Um, but yeah, hopefully future ones. Um, and I'll get the DLC when it comes out this year as well. I think, or next year, summer, summertime next year, I think. So I'll probably get that and get back into it. Like I've, I've not played it again in a while. I've, I've sunk loads of time into it, maybe the first couple of months. Um, and I've not played it again since. But I think once the DLC comes back, it'll... It'll bring me back into it. Nice. I have so much respect for people that play Monster (laughs) Hunter. I can't. Yeah, it's one of those franchises that's huge, and I'm just like I've. I think I tried to play one of them. Which one did they release on the Switch before Rise? That was a port of the 3DS one. Was that a port of four? I want to say four. Yeah, I think it was four. Yeah, I there was a demo of it anyway. I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" I have no idea. <laughs> no, I know it is so complicated and it's so bad at explaining things. Even in this one, um, 
And like I said before, everybody that's played it before are like, oh no, it's way, way better. I'm like, it's still not good enough in terms of explaining things. There is loads of tutorials um, and there is things to read and stuff like that, but it, it's still not there yet at a level of being totally accessible. Um, so maybe it will get there, but yeah, it is it is very difficult. You really need a group of people around you to sort of be your teachers and sit and play together. Um, yeah. Which I definitely had, which was good. Well, I don't have anybody that's going to teach me how to play it, and I'm not going to figure it out. But, and I'm not going know, to be that person because I still don't understand really. Full <laughs> <laughs> power to anybody that has figured it out, because um, it does look like it's probably quite good fun once you get over that like really steep learning curve. Yeah. Once you get into it and you start to understand what the kind of point is, then it's really good. And it's really good to have on Switch because I'm not sure I would sit and learn something that complicated if I was just sat at a TV. I quite like just playing it in little bursts in bed. Mm. Cool. Right. So, my second choice um, is... Another Metroidvania game. There's a theme with my choices this year. Um, and this is a game called Fist, Forged in Shadow Torch. Um, which is, it came out August-ish, I think. So somewhere between Axiom Verge 2 coming out and Metroid Dread coming out, this came out. Uh, and it's another 25 3D side-scrolling Metroidvania game where you play as a cute bunny with a giant robot fist attached to his back. And if that doesn't sell it what to more you, could you want? I don't know what else is going to sell it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, it was very much me. up Reuben Street. Yeah, I played the first like couple of hours of it at yours, Mark. Absolutely yeah. loved it, and it's on sale at the moment, so I'm going to pick it up. Absolutely should. I mean, it's it doesn't. Does it? I guess one thing it does different to a lot of other um, Metroidvania games is that it leans a lot more heavily into the combat. So it's kind of a lot of combo-based combat and a lot of switching between a lot of different weapons on the fly to build up your combos. Um, and you kind of unlock those weapons as you go along. But it also does quite clever things with those weapons in terms of your traversal through the environment as well. Um, so for example, one of the upgrades you get later on is instead of a fist, you get a drill, but the drill kind of also acts like a, uh, a sort of propeller for like either sort of launching yourself up or hovering across environments and things. Um, and yeah, there's just some really interesting sort of twists on sort of your usual Metroidvania style upgrades. Um, so yeah, again, also well worth a play. It's not, it's not from a big developer. It's kind of an unknown that hasn't really released anything of any note. I don't think before we looked into this. I think Ruben. Yeah, I think we couldn't find anything that they'd done before. You were like, yeah, what have they done, and how have they suddenly just made this great game? And not only that, but gorgeous. Like, yeah, the game is absolutely stunning as well. So well it done is. to them, a first try knocked it out of the park so yeah i'm you know hopeful maybe there'll be a sequel to this at some point as well which would be quite nice to see of course it's like 25 quid isn't it 
Something yeah, it's like not that. bad. So if it's mm. on sale, even better. Um, yeah, and if you've liked, you know, any of the other Metroidvania games that have come out this year, definitely give it a look. There's been a few. <laughs> there have been a few, and they're almost all on my list. Um, <laughs> right, uh, Ruben, third choice from you. I am certain you saw this one coming, Mark. Fuga, Melodies of Steel. Yes. This was obviously going to be on my list. Um you're really good at how turn-based strategy. Yeah. Right. Okay. Fuga Melodies of Steel. It, it's essentially the game is roughly divided into two separate parts. One part is a turn-based strategy. Think kind of Advance Wars. You're in a giant tank that has three different kind of tiers of weapon, um, and it's manned entirely by a crew of anthropomorphic children. And whichever child and the child you have manning the weapon at any one time will change what type of weapon it is between like big cannons or little machine guns or whatever. So then you engage in kind of turn based battles um, to kind of work your way across the map. That's part one of the game. Oh, wait, no, wait, actually, there's one more aspect of the combat. If there's there's a thing in the combat where if the tank tank's health becomes low you will be able to use a weapon that will win the battle for you. No matter what the battle is, it could be a boss battle, anything. It will win the battle for you automatically. But you have to sacrifice one of the children of the crew to be able to use it. Because they essentially just vaporize themselves to power this gun. So I have adamantly refused to use that cannon. Um... And the second part of the game is essentially a little life sim thing set inside the tank where you where the children will kind of do different activities where it be upgrading bits of the tank or cooking to give stat boosts for the combat or uh, tending to animals to kind of get more resources for the cooking or going on little dungeon crawls to get more materials to upgrade the tank. And that's basically the two parts of the game and they kind of work in tandem. Mm-hmm. Um the story is bleak as all fuck. Um, well, a game where you can sacrifice a child to win a battle. It's not <laughs> a curious concept. No, no it's not. Um, but like, On the know, other hand, I suppose it depends how much you like children. I'd probably quite happily sacrifice them to win a battle. I guess. But like... <laughs> Um, yeah, the story is because basically it's all about essentially an invading an, an invading army has essentially just raised an entire kind of region to the ground, and you are basically fighting your way across it in this gigantic tank to save your parents. That's the whole point. Um, and yeah, it gets incredibly, incredibly bleak at points. Um, but the game itself is so intricately made. Um, every single aspect of it kind of bounces off another aspect. So, every like everything you do in the inside the tank during the kind of break periods where you can do what the kids want to do, they will give you a list of the things they specifically want to do during that intermission. And if you nail all of that list, all of the children have a stat boost going into the next battle. Um, so, yeah, it just kind of and then the battles may end up changing what has to happen during the intermission because if they get say um 
I think there's I think there's a stats effect like terror. So they 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 will be like so terrified they can't act during battle, and then when they get back to the intermission, they won't be able to do anything unless they rest. So you have to put them in the bed during the intermission. This is what makes it sound even more bleak, though, because it doesn't. It's not just sacrificing children. It sounds like you're actually bonding with the kids in between, like you're playing games with them and stuff like that. And then it's like, yeah, okay. Oh yeah, I am. I am invested in these children. I am so invested. That's why I refuse to use the cannon because I'm like, I am not sacrificing any of my babies. <laughs> I I will I will restart the level if I have to. I am not sacrificing a single one of these children. Um, but a ribbon bit, little mother hen. Yeah, I know it's so unusual. Um, but yeah, like this 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 game is similar to something uh, similar to. I think moving out that Graham was speaking about uh, with the with like this was announced ages ago. Mm-hmm. Unpacking, unpacking. Yeah. Sorry, that's it. Uh, moving out is a completely different game. Um, in that this was announced years ago, and it's literally only came out this year. So, um, and I've had such an amazing, amazing time. And what's on PC? Is it considering how depressing? Uh, PC is on Switch. And PS4 and Xbox. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of actually picking it up on Switch as well so I can play it portably and maybe make a few <laughs> different decisions along the way. But yeah, Fuga. Absolutely great game. Fuga. Awesome. Graham, choice number three. Choice number three is probably the only PS5 game I've played this year when I think about it. So I've not really played my PS5 much at all. Um, but it's Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. I'm not a big Ratchet person at all. I've maybe played one or two, um, but never that much of it. But this one was just so, so much fun. I just loved everything about it. It is the most beautiful game I think I've ever played. Every single aspect of it is just so well designed. It's just so pretty in every way. Um, It's the closest I think we have to like that Pixar quality in a game. Um, but it's really like Saturday morning cartoon kind of vibe as well, like everything about it, like the enemies and all that kind of stuff. It just really captures that, I think. But it's just super fun to play as well. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely loved it from start to finish. I think I finished it in about two days, um, which is really unlike me for a game. Um, it's not too long, um, but yeah, I just absolutely fired through. It was just so, so much fun. A great, great game for a PS5. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm with you because uh, Ratchet and Clank was also on my list of choices. So now that's we're a, just steamrolling through all of you, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I again, like you, I'd never played a Ratchet and Clank game before, um, or maybe like like half an hour here and there of somebody else's, but never really properly played one. Um, and even when I first played it, it didn't like immediately click mm-hmm. with me, and I actually didn't finish it until um, sort of September, I think. Right. But once I got into it, like I steamrolled through like like the remaining eighty yeah. percent of the game in like two days, and it sits as one of only two games I've ever actually got a platinum trophy. Oh, really? For, so. I'm still on a big fat zero for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I found that one was really easy because I had done like. 99% of what I needed to get all yeah. of the trophies just by playing mm-hmm. the game. Um, 
And Ruben also has thoughts about Ratchet and Clank. Oh, are they bad? I'm not... No, they're not bad. It's not a bad game. It's not that I'm not enjoying it. It's it's another Ratchet and Clank game for me. Which I guess for us who've not really played it very much before, it feels quite new to us. Yeah, possibly. Uh, Yeah, that's probably the big difference. I think maybe if this was like the fourth or fifth Ratchet and Clank game I played and it didn't feel like it was doing anything new from any of the previous Mm. ones, probably would go, yes, it's gorgeous. Yes, mechanically, it's really sound, but it's not giving me anything new. I will I will say, though, I completely agree with Graham. This is possibly the most beautiful game oh, it's ridiculous. I've ever played. It's disgusting how pretty it is. And I'm, I'm actually really glad, and I'm not going to be one of these people that's like, if it's on PS4 and PS5, then it's going to be held back or whatever. But I'm really glad it's only on PS5 because it feels like one of these games that this, it was like one of the, I think maybe between that and Returnal, like the first proper games that are true next next generation whereas a lot of other games have not really got that impression yet from a lot of other games yeah i'd agree with that there were some parts of it the only game that i would say that i've played is uh demons demon souls oh yeah that that was also only on ps5 so there's just not been that but that's beautiful in a horrible way yeah totally different way yeah i mean there were some parts of the game that i didn't like i didn't like i don't know how you felt about these mark but the the um the glitch levels or the clank levels i thought the clank levels were really clever but i think they lasted a bit too long and the glitch levels i just found really disorientating i didn't like those at all yeah I did like the I liked the the clank levels I think slightly better than the glitch mm-hmm. ones. But what they did do is I think they they broke it up with something a little bit yeah. different which was quite nice. And they were so different from each other as oh, well. Oh yeah, totally. That it was like a it was like a nice little palette cleanser between the like the main chunks mm-hmm. of the game. And there weren't, that was only like three of each, right? So it wasn't even yeah. like there was too much of it. I think with the glitch ones, I think there was just a lot of parts where something shouting at you, telling you to do something, and I didn't really understand what it was telling me to do, when really, ultimately, the goal was just to shoot things. And it felt like there was yeah. something else that you were supposed to do, and I didn't really understand what it was trying to tell me. Um, but yeah, I just found it quite a bit dizzy as well, like walking all over the walls and things like that. It, I just, yeah, I didn't really like it. <laughs> But other than that, <laughs> pretty much everything else about it, I just absolutely adored. Yeah, completely agreed. Right, uh, so on to my third choice. Um, and I'm skipping ahead one because I've now had another of my games <laughs> installed already. So, and I haven't, mine aren't in any particular order, so... Uh, this is the order in which I finished and completed them. So the next game on my list is Metroid Dread. You might as well steal mine instead of me stealing yours. <laughs> I'm going to steal one of steal one of Graham's. Um, yes, honestly, just it was all I can say really is that it was worth it the totally wait. Was. It finished off a story that's been. 35 years in the making, you know, possibly the longest (laughs) 
ongoing yeah, story in gaming with the fewest number <laughs> yeah. of games. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, just it answered so many questions. It sets things up for future games in you know future installments in the series. Fingers crossed, uh, Nintendo. It doesn't take you sort of nearly twenty years to to come up with a Metroid Six. Uh-huh. Bear not. Um, and you know, I don't want to have to caveat this by saying for the Switch, but it did look so. Oh, it was so pretty, and that I don't know. Um, did you guys get the OLED? Oh, yes. Yeah. No, it I was did. just such a perfect day one OLED game mm-hmm. because it was the it was the blacks that I noticed on that game. Like there was just when you played that part, when you played bits of the game, and there were some parts of the environment that were just completely black. It, it just looked so so good. It was the absolute perfect game for that. Um, that and Tetris Effect, which I got with the with the OLED as well. But Metroid just looked amazing. Um, I'm with you. Like Metroid was my number one. Of the year, it was just <laughs> so no, it's no, it's totally fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, I absolutely adored it. I love how they'd done the story. Um, I just like loved all the mm-hmm. all the little cutscenes. It wasn't too overdone. I loved Samus's little bit. Like they do, they through. do a they do a lot of you know. I think the thing with Metroid is although there were a lot more cutscenes perhaps in this game than you're used to in a Metroid game, other than perhaps other M. There's so much like environmental storytelling. Oh, yeah. You know, they tell you a lot without actually having really long, drawn out. Well, yeah, because there's like there's bits. Um, you know, and a lot of it is kind of up for interpretation as well. Yeah, totally. Nice. There's bits like I remember a room where you're going through, and you can see in the background there's like lasers working on like some kind of monster in the background, and you don't you notice it, but you don't really pay all that much attention to it until later on when you actually fight the monster as well and you fight that as a boss and it's probably probably the best boss in the game actually um but there is just lots of little yeah. things like that that are just kind of in the background that you don't pay much attention to but it's kind of part of the story and part of the game itself and lots of uh yeah there's lots of like nice little foreshadowing bits like that the introduction of the emmys i think was also you know added something new to the mix how did you feel about doing because the Emmys? Because you genuinely... I was mostly okay with it. Like, there's definitely a sense of panic as you're running yeah. through those areas. Yeah, I was... It really does give give you dread. Not necessarily horror for me or fear, but definitely, like, attention and a, and a yeah, dread. Yeah, it was very Alien Isolation type thing. Um, that wasn't me leading mm-hmm. up to me saying that I didn't like them. I really liked them as well, but I can see why people might not um, and there was a couple that were really difficult and really annoying that I had to just do over and over and over again. Um, I think there was maybe one underwater before you get the gravity suit that I really struggled with. Yeah. Um, but other than that, no, I, I quite enjoyed I them. Think... I, I thought it was a nice little thing to break up just the regular Metroid gameplay, really. Yeah, I think what was interesting was, you know, they, they were adamant that the reason they hadn't made this game prior was because the technology wasn't capable of I don't know, doing the AI they wanted for the Emmys mm-hmm. um, and I think probably that's not entirely no, true 
I think I think they could almost certainly have done that on the Wii or the Wii U, which I think in my head makes me think that Nintendo, at least since the Game Boy Advance, have always seen the 2D Metroid games as handhold yeah. titles rather than also, console looking titles. Back, can you imagine with, with Prime being the yeah the console ones? But can you imagine if Dread had been left to die on this, the Wii U though? So in hindsight, yeah, much better idea waiting. Well, yes, but it might have, you know, it would have definitely have had a re-release, I think, on the Switch and, you know, Metroid Dread Deluxe Edition or whatever. Yeah, you talk so. But yeah. It's just, yeah, I, I was just so, so happy with it. And the ending, I don't know how much you want to talk about the ending, but the ending was just <laughs> so perfect. It, every single part of that ending Epic. was just, I was like screaming, like, oh my God, that's actually amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'll say it, it was suitably epic. Suitably badass. I wanted without going into overly spoilery territory yep. for anybody that is listening that has yet to experience the story. Any other thoughts from you, Ruben? I literally, I just echo everything that you've both said about Metroid Dread. Metroid Dread was easily, if we were if we weren't keeping it to five, I think Metroid Dread would have made it onto my list quite easily. Uh, well, five main, obviously, but um, well, and you did say that it wasn't on your list specifically because you knew that me and yeah. Gat Gray would both have chosen it. Yeah, I, that's, that, that, it was an easy elimination from my list because I knew it would be spoken about. Yeah, and it deserves to be spoken about. And I don't, I don't think we're going to have a concern that Nintendo are going to leave Metroid kind of hanging. No, going forward because Dread did so well. So, and has. although you know yeah. we, we we did skip out on our uh, game of the year, sorry, our game awards uh, episode, but the fact that it was a nominated the game of the year, even if it didn't mm-hmm. win it, and it won action, action game yeah. of the year or action adventure game of the year, it's, it's just, just huge for Metroid in general. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, Finding the recognition it deserves. <laughs> I would have loved for it to win, but no, it yeah. It's about time we've actually got people liking Metroid. And it's spurred so much this year as well. Like, everybody just played loads of old Metroids this year as well in preparation for it. I played ones that I'd never played before. Um, And I finished a couple that I played before again. Um, I just had, like, a total Metroid out my nut this year. And I think everybody did as well, which is good. It's good to see. Love to see it. Mm, right, same. Ruben, choice number four? Indeed. Question mark? Voice of Cards, The Isle Dragon Roars. Okay, Another JRPG, choice. because I have a very specific taste. Um, so, re- like, anyone who, anyone who knows me will... The moment I say these three aspects which form this game... They will get entirely why this game is completely up my street. Turn-based JRPG in a tabletop game format with Yoko Taro involved. Here we go. Done. All the boxes. That's, 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 that's all the, that I Literally the only thing it's missing is anthropomorphic animals. Yeah, it doesn't have any of those. That is a shame, actually. Uh, unless you count Ma. I guess you could count Ma. Um, yeah. But yeah, essentially, Voice of Cards is a turn-based JRPG that is set in a world that's literally laid out before you as cards. So 
all of the doors, doors, dungeons, characters, enemies, everything. The they floors, all... the, the forests, the mountains, yep. they're all represented by cards that are laid out on a table. Yeah. And you've got this In kind like of... like a grid format, right? Yeah. Like, like, like it's on a kind of game board. And you've got this narrator that's kind of like your... Who it literally introduces themselves at the beginning of the game as your game master, who is essentially narrating everything that's going on. And it's the most kind of soothing, like relaxing voice imaginable. Oh, his voice is it's like caramel. It, yeah, it's, oh, it's so smooth. It's beautiful to listen to, um, and it's just got it's got the perfect amount of kind of Yoko Taro snark and humor, and it's got that darkness that you find usually in Yoko Taro games, where there's just that horrid little edge that's living just underneath the surface if you choose to look for it. Um, and perhaps and more specifically, the choices that it forces you to make. I like. I am not going. I am not going to spoil this game for anyone who wishes to play it. For one, it's twenty five pounds. Definitely do. But it makes you make some choices in that game that I really didn't want to make, um, and it forces you. You have to make a decision, and some of those choices are horrid, and you can tell that Yoko Taro was involved. Um, but it's it, to be fair, it's it's a simple game. You can tell this was a kind of uh, the, the thing that I find about this, and also another game I'm going to speak about a little bit later. Um, these were clearly p- small passion projects by the teams that involved them because they're quite simple. There's not much to that. I mean, Voice of Cards doesn't exactly have an extensive soundtrack, nor is it like incredible visually. It's quite simple visual, uh, like visually, but it's so interesting in how it does it and how it presents the information and what and and how you play through it that it's just clearly a labor of love by the people that made it and yeah it's fantastic honestly fantastic absolutely fantastic game and also i'm so glad i played it on stream as well because it was so so and also i'm glad i committed to it because mm. i started playing it on stream and i'm glad you played it on stream as well because i really enjoyed watching it i watched good percentage of your playthrough of that game on stream and really enjoyed it i'm really and i don't think it's the kind of game that i would ever have played myself um and that having seen you play it i don't feel like i need to play it now but i'm glad i did watch you play it Mm. because like when i started streaming it i was like this doesn't feel like a good game to stream but i was like i'll give it one more stream and then that next stream was so so entertaining i was like i'm gonna stream the rest of this um, I was invested, damn it, in that story. I wouldn't know what happened. <laughs> but yeah, Voice of Cards, absolutely. Like, if they were to make a sequel to that, I'd buy it tomorrow. Easily. Absolutely, like, no, absolutely no shadow of doubt. We just need more merch for it, please, Square Enix. Please. That's all I want. Just merch, just the merch. Yeah, just give me like T-shirts or like figurines or like, an entire deck of cards that I could play the game with in real life. Whatever just that would me... be cool, like an actual voice of cards board game. It'd be so expensive. Square Enix it would, would charge yeah, you'd need so like much. a thousand cards, but I would love it. But yeah, definitely, definitely play voice of cards if if turn-based JRPGs are for you. If they're not for you, then definitely don't because that's what you're going to be doing for. Oh, it's also quite short, though. To be fair, yeah, it's not it's not overly long. I mean, you played it in what three or four streams? Yeah, it's like 12, 13 hours, something like that. It's a very short JRPG, um, but most of it is turn based battles. So if you don't like turn based battles, do not do it. 
Right, Graham, your fourth choice. Well, this will be my fifth, actually, because one of them was Metroid. Oh, because I've stolen One of them was Metroid. Um, so, Metroid wasn't my, my number one, but my number two has been New Pokemon Snap. Like, it, it was just a game that just everything I could have possibly wanted out of a sequel to a game that I just loved when I was a kid. I played the original Pokemon Snap. I don't know how much, how I played it for so much time, given that you could finish it in like two or three hours. But when I was a little kid, a loner kid with no friends, I used to just sit and play Pokemon Snap so many times. And I didn't think we would ever get a sequel. Um, and this one has just done everything possible to make me absolutely adore it. Um, and I still regularly play it because there's just so much to it. I was so impressed by how much there is to it, like how many different interactions you find for all the Pokemon and stuff like that. Like you could sit finding things constantly. And I quite liked that time around Twitter when people were playing it and they were finding these tiny little cute interactions and stuff like that. It, it was just really cleverly done. Um, there's some bits about it that are a bit grindy, um, which I know a lot of people have problems with, but that never bothered me at all. Um, but yeah, I absolutely just adored it from start to finish. It has most of my favourite Pokemon in it, so I was over the moon at that. Um, but I, I really like stuff when <clears throat> when things are done with Pokemon that make it feel like Pokemon is like in nature. So when it's done like as if it's a nature documentary or something like that, I really like when games do that kind of stuff and they don't happen very often. Um, and Pokemon Snap was very much that. Uh, so yeah, start to finish, absolutely loved it. So happy it got DLC. It was completely free. It was quite substantial DLC as well, which is good. Um, so yeah, I, I would hope we will get more. Hopefully, we'll get more. But I just as someone it. I know who's a huge Pokemon fan, I'm really pleased that you got got. Oh, I know. Pokemon yeah. Snap because I've I've never played the original. I don't think it would. I don't think it would be for me. But the love that I've seen for that from not just you, but from a lot of people on Twitter really goes to show just how much the original was adored by people. That oh, yeah, it. totally. The original was great, but you couldn't really go back to it now. Just on how much they've expanded upon the new one, they've done such a good job. And it's so pretty as well. <clears throat> There's not... I know Pokemon gets criticised quite a lot because of how the games look, whether whether they look bad or whether they look good. But this is one that just looks absolutely beautiful. So, so pretty to look at. I've just had a great time with it. And I'll probably keep playing it as well, just every now and again. Yeah, I think one of the things that put me off the original when it first came out was the fact that it was quite short. Oh, it was stupidly and short. At the time, yeah. at the time when I was very conscious about how much money I had to spend on games, buying one game that was only going to last two or three hours at like 60 quid, oh, yeah. whatever N64 games cost at the time, um, was a kind of a major thing that, that sort of put me off ever playing it. Um, it comes to... Um... It, it'll yeah, be part of the. They've expanded it massively. It's part of the Nintendo Switch Online stuff, so maybe one day you can give it a try, or it's coming anyway. At some point. Yeah, if I if I ever stump for the expansion part, oh, if you still I not. give it a look. Not yet, not yet, but I'm considering it. Perhaps when they've when they've grown the library a little bit more, yeah, I'll make sense. I'll take the jump. 
and I never played Pokemon Snap, so I have nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing to say about the No, no, no. This would be a very new one. It's difficult. Yeah. Uh, right, so uh, my fourth slash fifth choice? No, sixth choice. <laughs> um, I had a few backups, so I've been able to keep going. Um, it's a game called The Gunk. Oh, is this by the SteamWorld? This is, yeah, SteamWorld, guys. Yeah, so this is the first 3D game from the developers behind SteamWorld Dig, SteamWorld Heist, SteamWorld... Quest. Whatever the other one. Quest, that's it. Um, And it came out about two, three weeks ago. Um, And it was a day one Game Pass game. And I thought, well, why not give it a go? And I actually really enjoyed it. It's quite linear. It's not very long. I think it maybe took me nine or ten hours to finish maybe a push but it just tells a really nice little story about a a couple of business owners hinted that they might be a couple it's hard to tell uh who land on a planet trying to find resources to sort of sell in the wider galaxy and instead what they find is this planet that's kind of been overrun by this gunk. Um, And as you sort of go through, you have this like hoover, I guess, a bit like, a bit like Luigi's hoover thing that sucks up an infinite amount of stuff Mm -hmm. in Luigi's mansion. And you sort of use it to clear, clear this gunk. And as you clear each area of gunk, the whole area kind of springs to life with like this kind of beautiful flowers and plants and things. And you, um, you can sort of then harvest some of those materials and plants and things to sort of improve your equipment and upgrade your equipment as you go through the game. Um, And you sort of just uncover the story about why this gunk exists, where it came from, the the sort of original inhabitants of the planet and what happened to them and where they disappeared to. And it's just a really good little, really good little story and well worth playing, I think, if you've got... Yes, it's something that I was interested in when I seen it because because I love image and form i really like the games that they make particularly steamworld they're all just so so good i was really interested to see what they would do with like an actual 3d game this time as much as i'm desperate for steamworld like 3 yeah it was nice to see them do something a bit different i also for reasons <laughs> very much like steamworld dig 3 but this is um yeah like it's completely separate from mm-hmm. any of their steamworld games but really really recommend it yeah um, you know, especially if you've got a couple of af- a couple of free afternoons, you'll play through it and you'll 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 you know you'll be finished yep, with it. Definitely looking out soon. You'll enjoy every minute of it. Another game to add to my list. Never ending list. list. <laughs> Ruben's just going through this, just going right. Yeah, I'll yeah, yeah, yeah. Just making yeah, notes to say. <laughs> yeah, because that does sound really interesting. That sounds so much up my street. I can't believe I've not played it before i think you recommended to me a couple of weeks ago mark actually yeah I well, completely... when i was playing it i think because i was like oh i'm really enjoying this game i think that was at that point i was like i think i have a really late late entry to my game of the year list and that was that was it i think that was the exact conversation we had hmm. um right 
your final choice, Ruben. It's only Final Fantasy XIV Endwalker, isn't it? Wow, I could have guessed. Because of course it fucking is. Um, been playing fourteen for f- three years. Three is it three years? Something like that. And I longer I, than me. I I joined it like during the Stormblood post game. I've clocked somewhere in the region of about two thousand one hundred hours in the game, um, and I rolled the credits on Endwalker, which is the final part of a story that they began in 2010. Um, so that's like an 11 year story that they've been telling across, wait, 1.0, 2.0, Heaven's Ward, Stormblood, Shadowbringers, Endwalker, six, the, the five expansions and the base game. Um, well, the two new, the, the base the game, two the base new, games, <laughs> the base <laughs> game, the and new the... base game and the four expansions. Um, but it's just, I can't, I cannot understate, or overstate rather, how well they stuck the landing. Mm. Like, from from a very rocky yeah, start, like turn, mm. it's turn incredible that they even got to this, it's incredible that they even got to this point, really. Yeah, and, like, it, it's all paid off. Like, all of the little narrative threads just are all so well paid off in Endwalker. Um, the new dungeons are fantastic. Uh, they've just released the raid series as well into the game in patch 6.1 uh, or 6.01, whichever whichever one that is. Uh, they've released the, the, the raids, which I cannot wait for you to die over and over again, Mark. It's going to be fun. Um, and are you, are you really bad at this game, it's, it's on my list for next year. It's yes. It's no. It's not so much that. It's it's Mark plays a job which requires standing still in a mm. game which I really won't. doesn't want you to stay still. Yeah. So <laughs> I I primarily have up to this point have played Black Mage, which requires you to stand still to do your casting. But when you're doing all of these really intricate boss battles, you just constantly have area of effect things that appear. You have to move all the time. So you are, you have to like take a calculated risk as to, can I get this cast off in time before I have to move? Should I move? <laughs> and sometimes that, that trade-off, it doesn't work. <laughs> and then you just die. And then Reuben has to kindly resurrect you. Because I'm the healer. Me. Uh, um... But yeah, M. Walker, and also I can I can safely say the one of the post game dungeons. Once you finish the main story of M. Walker, is one of my favourite dungeons in the whole fucking game because it's just such a good dungeon to play, and the music is amazing. Like, I I just wow, can't... you did say we would come back to amazing music. Yeah, and the oh, actually, that's sorry, I've got to drop this here. Then the music in M. Walker is absolutely phenomenal. Um, because not only are all of the new musical tracks just clearly the sound team at the top of their game with this with this series, but also because this is paying off a lot of story from previous expansions, they will bring that music back and they will bring it back at emotionally punchy moments because of course they do. Um, and because of that, the soundtrack for Endwalker is just clearly a love letter to everything that came before. Um, 
the only problems I have with Endwalker is that a couple of the mechanics they introduced are annoying to me personally, not necessarily to everyone, but I find them irritating. And the fact that it's it's the fact the fact that it's over really like the story's over i mean it, it, they're going to continue onwards they, there's going to be more more games and more expansions and more story but like it was so sad the original story that's that kickstarted it is now complete yeah. mm. and it was sad seeing that that payoff it's um, been a year for long running narratives to finally reach a conclusion mm. yeah Definitely. Awesome. Right, Graham, do you have another choice that you want to throw in as a replacement uh, for... Oh, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to take something that I've not properly finished, but I will at some point. And I only stopped it because it had a save bug that stopped me. Um, and it's not something I ever generally play, but I played... Um, the house in Fata Morgana this year, and I played quite a substantial amount of it. Um, this was, up until a couple of months ago, the second highest rated game of all time, which kind of nobody noticed. Um, I think it came out years ago on, I want to say, maybe the Vita, um, and it's been ported to other places. Um, but I'm not a visual novel kind of person at all. Um, and I, I only started playing it because because I'd seen it rated so highly. I was like, what the hell is this game that I've never heard of? And I seen it was like literally just below Ocarina of Time. I was like, I need to find out what the hell this is. Um, it's probably one of the most fucked up games that I've played. Like, the themes that it goes to, it, it's literally just any kind of depraved theme that you can think of in a game is in it. Um, it it's literally... <laughs> goes from incest to bestiality, racism, xenophobia. There's just every kind of theme in this game. It's it's quite it might be quite a difficult play to a lot of people because it's so fucked up. Um but it's so well done how the game is put together, like how how the actual like music works and how the visuals work. It's just so well put together and the story's just so good as well. It follows lots of different lines that kind of lead back to this this house, um, and all of the different timelines are sort of connected to this house in some way, and it jumps between different timelines um, and different stories, but they all sort of link back to this house. Uh, like I say, the only reason I stopped playing is because I had an issue with my save file twice, and it put me like way, way back a good couple of times, but I think I got a decent amount of the way through it's a very very long game i think from when when i was looking up it's about 30 odd hours which is really long to me um and i'm not a big reader in general so that's like a 30 hour book so um but yeah i absolutely love it (laughs) um if anybody really likes visual novels um ruben i think you're quite keen on a lot of these kind of things often aren't you yep does sound that this does sound quite like it's it's give it like from what where you're describing it, I, I I'm getting kind of um, yeah the right vibe. Yeah, it is very very game. good. Yeah, I'd never heard of it. I li- I literally just did a quick Google when you mentioned the title of it because I was like, what is this? I have no idea. 
Never heard of it, but it does sound fascinating. It's, if it's probably the darkest game I've ever played. Yeah, the, the places it goes. You, but it does it in such a way. Like, it's never blatantly obvious as to what it's doing. It's never so in your face. It's just, it's the way the writing is. Like, it's really well written to the point that something really extreme happens. But they don't do it so obviously. Like, it's just really clever the way it's written. But uh, yeah, I would absolutely recommend it if anybody's into visual novels. Or people that are not, because I'm not in the slightest. I have no interest in them normally at all. Um, but yeah, definitely give it a go if you can spare 30, 40 hours of reading. That's your thing. Excellent. Well, I can't add anything because unfortunately <laughs> I, don't I don't think know many anything people about do. it, but it does sound quite interesting. Uh, yeah, right. So, my final choice for game of the year, uh, and I guess the final game of the year, aside from our bonus games, um, I wasn't even sure if this was going to make it onto the list. It probably wouldn't have quite made it onto the list if I hadn't had a couple of my other choices taken. Uh, but it is Guardians of the Galaxy, which I literally finished yesterday afternoon. So by my own rules of having had to have finished the game, it only just snuck onto the list. Um, and I think part of the problem was a bit like with Ratchet and Clank, like it didn't click with me straight away, which I was surprised by because I'm like a huge Marvel fan. Um, and despite the presence of Chris Pratt, I really enjoyed both of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Um, they're two of my favourite MCU films. And I've read quite a few of the Guardians of the Galaxy comics as well. So I was like really hyped for this game. Started playing it. Really struggled with it to begin with when it came out at the end of October. And I think maybe I was like in a post-Metroid kind of... This isn't Metroid. <laughs> no game <laughs> <will> compare. <laughs> no game was comparing at that point to Metroid Dread. Um but I gave it I gave it a couple of months break and I came back to it and I said, right, I'm gonna finish it in the gap between Christmas and New Year. And once I really got into it, I could not put it down. I just just loved pretty much everything about it. The soundtrack, which a lot like the MCU movies pulls, you know, heavily from like 80s sort of pop and rock uh, is great. Um, and I think, although having quite a high level of knowledge of the Marvel Universe helped, it's definitely not necessary mm. to enjoy the game, I don't think. Um, and, you know, there's like this whole without getting into spoiler territory for anyone that wants to play it. There's, as you'd expect, there's this whole kind of we're out to save the galaxy overriding storyline. But I think what's really interesting about it and what it does really well is it, it's, really, it's really a story about acceptance and about found family and about forgiveness. And it's really the story of these kind of five or six misfits that found themselves together on a ship and how they sort of come together as as almost a family really mm. towards it, the, it's know, good as that the game goes don't necessarily on. Need all that MCU knowledge because I'm not I'm not an MCU person at all, but I like I've really done such an about turn with this game 
like when I originally seen it, I thought it looked really bad. There was something I really didn't like. But I think word of mouth has helped it hugely. So many people speak so highly of it, and I'm, I really want to get it now. And I think it's in the sale at the moment. Yeah. Um. So I probably will get it soon. Yes. Yeah. I. Yeah. I. It's been on sale quite a lot. I think you mm. can pick it up for like twenty five, thirty pounds at the moment. But it was like sixty pound when it first came out. So you can. Yeah. You can definitely get it for a really good price. Um, yeah, and like knowing stuff about the Marvel Universe definitely adds a lot of flavour and maybe some context, but the story's not about that. It's about these five characters, these six characters and their and their sort of growth as a as a like a chosen family together and accepting each other and, and yeah, sort of moving yeah. on from it's so past traumas. Well. And the I think the um, the performances yeah. are really good as well. I've seen a couple of clips shared online um, just about some of the performances, and it, it just looks like it's just a lot of love's been put into it. Certainly from like an acting point of view. Yeah, yeah, they clearly, you know, they a lot like you know uh, Insomniac's Spider-Man games. You know, they clearly had a lot of love for the franchise, and it doesn't fall into any of the problem areas that the Avengers game fell into. It's not it's not online it's a nice it's single player experience. it's not a service yeah. game. It is just a really well played single play you know, really well put together single player experience. I will admit, I think for what I would probably class as like a triple A multi platform game, there right. are a few glitches. I ran into a few problems. Um Nothing major, but the occasional um, bit where the audio dialogue overlapped when characters were supposed to be talking to each other and bits where I ended up falling through the scenery and getting trapped. Um, And there's one mechanic in the game that sees you pressing both L and R at the same time to, to trigger like a huddle where your characters all come together and you have like a pet talk. But the number of times I triggered that accidentally because uh, there are other things mm. mapped to L and R individually, and if you end up like pressing the two buttons, you know, together by accident, you end up kind of triggering that that interaction. But otherwise, good choice, great game, really loved it. So yes, that is our top fifteen. Games of the year, I guess. Great year. And yeah, next year's probably year. going to be even crazier. It has. True. Post COVID, well, not post COVID, we're still not in COVID. Yeah, but... Just some of the things that are coming out next year. Is, um, I think next year's going to be a, a another 2010, 2017. I think next year's going to be a big, massive one. We can only hope. We can only hope. Um, we did have a few bonus games as well that, for one reason or another, didn't make it onto our lists. Um, so, Ruben, why don't you why don't you kick off with your your bonus game? My one didn't make it onto my games of the year list because it's not a good game. Um, <laughs> Dungeon Encounters, which I think could quite easily get the award for the game that I've not fucking shut up about this year. Because I have not stopped talking about this goddamn game. Um, it's not. A good I love game. that you're so willing to 
almost you're almost playing it out of spite at this point. It's not a good game, but I'm not going to stop talking about it. And I'm not going to stop playing it. It's the thing. The thing is, it's not a good game, but it scratches so many really specific itches for me in games. Like, so specific. Like, it's almost as if someone's just like, right, there's some really niche interests this one person has. Let's put all (laughs) of those niche interests into one game, not market it to anyone, and hope people Or even it. barely tell anybody that it exists. Yeah, precisely. Um, and then release it without any... Like, cause it didn't, wasn't it basically announced and released? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like, straight away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was released, like, a week after it was announced. Like... And it was, was it was it in a Nintendo Direct or an indie world or something? It was in a Direct, I think. Or was it in an indie? Because it's, it's Square Enix. What's like, it called again? Um, yeah, it probably wouldn't have been in in indie, would it? But yeah, I mean, on one hand, this game sees you exploring grid based dungeons, which are always the same. They don't change. It's not a mystery dungeon thing. So the dungeons are always the same, but the enemy layout will change in each dungeon level. And also, when you say grid-based, it really is yeah. literally just black squares on a white background. There's no there's no decoration to this no, dungeon. Not at all. It's just num it's just numbered squares. Yeah, it's quite it's even more bare bones than voice of cards. Yeah, it's it's blank or numbered squares where a white number on the square means something good, so like an item or a treasure or a shop, and a black number is an encounter. And the encounters will randomise, everything else will stay exactly in the same place. And the battles are turn-based and actually interesting, which is really annoying, um, because every character, enemies and your your, your characters, have two defence stats, magical and physical defence stat. And your characters and also the enemies will not take any damage unless one of those is zero either magical or physical defense and then they're hit with either a physical or magical attack so so you have to lower the enemies you have to lower the defense to zero to be able to take take away their hp which is such an interesting concept which also means that your character's level by and large in the game, means fucking nothing. It's to do with the equipment. The be- If you have the equipment to do the damage and the, the armour to defend against damage, your hit points don't really matter. It's only if your defence is reduced to zero that your hit points matter. Mm. And that is fascinating. For you. <laughs> for me. Um, and the, literally, even the battles are bare bones. It's just basically just a couple of portraits down each side of the the thing, and that's it. With with H, and I with, assume some numbers. Yeah, with numbers denoting the defense and HP values. That's it. That's all you see. Um, but then there's my two big frustrations with this game, which means that I could not like. I have played so much of this game. Like when it came through, when this when the Switch kind of year wrap up came came through, 
this was my second most played game on Switch for this entire year. And this came out in September, um, which is, <laughs> my God. Um, but uh, the two big frustrations I have with this game, which make it so I could not recommend it to anyone, is randomized damage weapons, where sometimes you will get weapons that it says the maximum amount of damage that attack could do, but it actually does a random number between so one how are you supposed to know and that number. Anything. So you 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 don't um the <laughs> those weapons have a kind of risk reward because they can their maximum amount of damage they can do is higher than any other weapon you can find generally at that point but it might not necessarily do that damage but the minimum that it can do is significantly less than any other weapon precisely so it's the ultimate risk reward uh of which there's more risk than reward um and the other thing is, this game has some right fucking bullshit in it. Oh my god, does it. Um, to throw one thing out there, minor spoilers for Dungeon Encounters for the no one that's going to play it. Um, there is a status effect you can get in this game that turns your characters, your, your fighters, into essentially hamsters. And what that does is it lowers your attack accuracy by 50%. So half of your attacks will just miss. The only way you can remove that status effect, the only way is an altar that you can find on floor 99 of the dungeon. Wait, you start on floor 100. Wait, no, no. Way up to one, right? No, I got it right. I got it wrong. It's 97. No, you start on one. So you have to get up to floor 97. Down. It's a descent. Oh, down. Okay. So, and bear in mind, the first the first floor that you can have this status effect put on you is 35. So you're just basically stuck with hamsters. Um, so then you're either stuck with it, or it does give you some ways of getting down to floor 97, but then getting back fucking back up again. <laughs> because in my attempt, because I had to look it up, because I was like, what the fuck is this status effect? Why can't I remove it at the like, because there's alter, they're not alters. I can't say that. Like, there's so much imagination required as to what this game actually looks like in in world. Um, there is a square. I think it's number five squares. Um, remove status effects, but this one status effect cannot be removed by those tiles. So I was like, how the fuck do I do this? So I looked it up, and it was just like, there's an alter on floor ninety seven. That's the only way. And I was like, are you fucking kidding? So I got down remove the status effect, and then on the way out to get back up, my entire party wow. wiped. And I was not a happy boy. I'm not, um, I'm this not surprised you're not recommending this. I, have a good time with. I, I already hate it. No, honestly, I've, I've played this so much, I've got so much time out of it, I will continue to play it. I could not recommend this to another human being in good conscience. <laughs> I love that one of our most our longest discussions has been about yep. a game that we recommend to nobody. <laughs> it's on brand. <laughs> right, Graham, have you got any uh I mean there's certainly games, games that I like would not recommend that I've played this year as well. But, um if we were talking about bonus games, I'm probably just gonna get a little bit of love for um Bowser's Fury. Um and the reason that's not in my list at all is because 3D World is probably my least favourite 
3D Mario, um, which I know is sacrilege to a lot of people. Um, those are people that hate sunshine generally, um, and I love sunshine. Um, but 3D World isn't my favourite 3D Mario at all. Um, I think it's good, often really good, um, but not my favourite at all. Um, but Bowser's Fury is the entire opposite of that. Bowser's Fury is everything that I kind of want from future Mario games. I want that kind of open world okay. thing. I, I have one very specific Bowser issue himself? with Bowser's Fury. Yeah. It was the frequency with which Bowser kept hatching or growing. And I was like, I really just want to keep, I just want to explore yeah. this level and not have to deal with Bowser I, I, every I like five minutes. <laughs> but other than that, I did really enjoy that, like the whole kind of, like it was taking the open world of yep. Odyssey to like. And I, I just want to see this expanded level. to a game now. I think Mario could be just. I don't want to say open world, because yeah. I, I hate that term now, um, but it could be just a full adventure game that's not individual levels. Um, and I think what they've done with Bowser's Fury is definitely a sign of probably yeah. what's to come. I think that was maybe just a testing the waters kind of thing. And I think they'll probably run with that with whatever the next 3D Mario is. Yeah. Um, but it, it was definitely a pleasant surprise. But it'll be interesting to see in what way they, what way they expand it, because... Um, you know, they they often said that um, Skyward Sword was did, testing yeah. the waters for a lot of things that were to come. But then Breath of the Wild, you wouldn't have seen Breath of the Wild coming from what they did in Skyward Sword. Yeah, and there's obviously that, like that will bear. Yeah, definitely little things carried over from Skyward Sword, like uh, stamina and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I think there's going to be lots that they'll take from Bowser's Fury and just explain. I probably think that's what the next 3D Mario will be. It will just be Bowser's Fury, but ten times bigger. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But expanded into its own game. Yeah, I would like to see it. Sorry? I would like to see that. I must admit. Bowser's Fury expanded into its own game. Yeah, because you I, play it. No, I've not played Bowser's Fury yet, but I've seen enough of it to know that it's what I wanted. It, it's it bowser's fury is essentially filling in the blank that i felt was missing yeah, from odyssey because odyssey because okay. i thought that if, if odyssey was more cohesive rather than being kind of hub worlds i would have loved i, I mean i loved odyssey anyway but i would have loved to see more cohesion as, as opposed to levels mm-hmm. um so if they were to I'm sorry to say this world, uh, the, the, these open these world. words again, Graham. I know that you 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 don't like them. If they were to make Mario open world, um, and literally just have a similar mm. concept to Odyssey, where you're collecting moons for various different things, but like on a larger scale with no sort of like hubs or anything like that, oh, it'd be great. I think. Um, yeah, I, that would I, be. I, I would definitely think love that's that. what's going to happen. That mm. seems like the next natural step to take. Well, my bonus game is uh, a game that I would probably have had on my game of the year list last year because it came out in 2020, but I didn't play it until 2021. Um, And that is Half-Life Alex. 
you, which you love Half-Life. I'm amazed I... it took you this long. Well, the trouble is that Half-Life Alex is a VR-only game, which requires you to have a VR headset, which I didn't acquire until January of this year. Fair. But if there was ever a, in inverted commas, killer app for selling VR games, Valve just absolutely nailed it on their first try with Half-Life Alex. It is just stunning to play. It's the most immersive and mildly terrifying game I think I've I've ever played. And I think, yeah, it's just, it's such a high benchmark for VR games that I think it's going to take a long yeah. time for anything else to match up to that. And I think, you know, we might start to see that perhaps with the next generation PSVR maybe. Because I think I think the thing that holds VR back, of course, is that it requires you to have a really fucking expensive, powerful PC and a really fucking expensive VR headset. Um, and the PSVR sidesteps that a little bit by making, you know, the price of the console somewhat more palatable. Um, and therefore makes a lot yeah, easier. Yeah, I, I didn't really care that much headset. for PlayStation VR either. I, I, um, the times I played it, obviously everything was very grainy. The first, yeah, the original PlayStation VR, yeah, the first generation PSVR was was not the best. <laughs> um, but I think, judging from what I've seen of the specs of the next generation PSVR and comparing it to the Oculus Quest 2, which is what I've got. It's such a huge difference. Like, the Oculus Quest 2 is a huge step up from the first generation PSVR, and it seems like the next generation PSVR is going to be quite a big step up from that. So I would love to see them port Half-Life Alex to to the PSVR version 2, and I'm hoping, and I think they probably will, because a lot more people should play this game. It's really that good. Maybe not one for Reuben, but... Yeah, I don't like my first-person horror. I do not like it. The interesting thing is, it's not even... It doesn't necessarily all the time go overtly for horror, other than one particular section later in the game. But I think there's just something about being in first-person in VR just makes everything feel more real and more dangerous. Oh yeah, playing um... even even though it's not probably any more. If anything, if you were playing, if they were to find it, and it wouldn't work as. And this is the thing about why it's such a good VR game is because it just wouldn't. A lot of it just wouldn't translate well to playing with a keyboard and mouse. But I think if you were to play it with a keyboard and mouse, it would not be anywhere near as difficult or as scary as any other first-person shooter game. But just. The, the physical presence you have in that virtual world just makes it so much more real. Well, I can imagine, I mean, even a game like, um, even a game that's blatantly as blatantly not real, like um, Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes, that is so much more tense in VR. Yeah. Like, it's, it's so blatantly fake, like, but it's so much more tense in VR playing that game. So I can imagine. Yeah, but I would like to get you to play the opening of Half-Life Alex because 
it's like a no risk scenario. You're basically just kind of exploring the city just to get what your thoughts are on it at some point. Okay. I'm game. Awesome. Well, look forward to Ruben's thoughts on that at some point. Mm. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's that's probably it for our game of the year episode. And what a year it's been. Yeah. And what a year it's looking to be. And February. Especially March. I think February is going Christ. Nuts. Yeah. I am a little bit out of the loop as to February is pretty much Horizon and Elden Ring. Sure, I'm sure we will have plenty to talk about. Same. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm interested in one of those. Yeah, I can't imagine you playing Elden Ring for some reason. It's not ready for me, I don't think. But I am very excited for Horizon. But I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about when Quiz at Play Season 3 begins. Yeah. Date to be determined, but... Yes. (laughs) I mean, probably January... Yeah, once once the news cycle picks up and there's you know there's things to actually talk about. Oh yeah, that's a common that's, that's a problem, obviously. Certainly a problem with Christmas, but that's why we do a game of the year episode. Mm-hmm. True. Well, thank you very much for for compiling your lists and putting the time in for this. Um, and we will see you all in the new year. Well, it probably will be the new year by the time you're listening to this, but... Yeah, probably New Year's Day. Bye-bye. Yeah. See ya. Bye. Bye-bye.